In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They say there are two kinds of people in the world. The poet Robert Frost said that there are some willing to work, the rest willing to let them. Or, if you prefer the movies, in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Clint Eastwood's character says, in this world there's two kinds of people, my friend, those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. There are two kinds of people. You might be tempted to say something like this about today's gospel lesson. There are two kinds of people, the Marthas and the Marys in the world. One works, the other lets her. One labors, the other prays. Now, while St. Luke does certainly draw a contrast between Martha and Mary, the two sisters are not mere symbols, instances of opposite types and they are not static. The contrast between Mary and Martha is more complex, more illuminating than that. It's worth attending more closely to how each sister is described in the text, and that's just what I want to do with you this morning. Let's start with Martha. Martha is, you might say, the responsible one. She does the right thing. When Jesus comes to their village, She receives him into her house. She welcomes, as it were, the stranger, just as she was commanded to do by the Lord himself in the law. She is hospitable. Like Abraham, welcoming the three men under the tree in memory, Martha receives Jesus and sets about serving him. It's just what she ought to be doing, isn't it? But something has gone wrong. St. Luke says that Martha was cumbered about much serving. She was distracted, as several translations have it. The word used in the original language here suggests something plucking or pulling at her attention, seeking to draw her away, as ravenous beasts seek to drag away their prey. Her mind is filled with all that must be done, and she is irritated and perhaps not a little resentful with her sister for abandoning her to do all the hard work while she gets to enjoy the company of Jesus. She is so frustrated that she comes and complains to Jesus about it. The Lord's response lays the issue bare. Martha, Martha, Jesus says, thou art careful and troubled about many things. She is careful, full of cares, full of worries, crowd and clamor in her mind. She keeps running over and over in her mind all that has to be done, keeps returning to her annoyance, perhaps rehearsing in her mind all the clever, sharp things she's going to say to her sister as soon as Jesus has gone away. She's troubled, troubled about many things. Her mind is turbulent, worries and stress swirling around and around in her mind like a stormy sea or like the Oklahoma skies in tornado season. With Martha, you get the impression of constant movement, of restlessness and unease. 
portrait St. Luke paints of Mary is very different. It's one characterized by stability and rest. While Martha bustles about in the kitchen, her thoughts a blooming, buzzing confusion, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus and listens to him. She stays in one place and attends to one thing. Her mind is, her body is at rest, and her mind is quiet, attentive and receptive to the Lord. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, the text says. Both of these things are the marks of a right response to the Lord, in line with other exemplary responses to Jesus in St. Luke's Gospel. Mary sits at Jesus' feet. It's a position of humility and submission, the posture of a student settling in to learn from her master. She sits at Jesus' feet just as the man Jesus had freed from the legion of demons sat at Jesus' feet when the Lord had set him free, or again as Jairus threw himself at Jesus' feet to beg for the life of his daughter, or again like the one leper who alone returned to thank Jesus for healing him and threw himself in gratitude at Jesus' feet. Or again, Mary sits at Christ's feet and lavishes her attention on him like the nameless woman who earlier at Simon's house had anointed his feet and washed them with her tears, of whom Jesus had said her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. She was close to him. It's a posture of intimacy and of trust. Not only does she sit at Jesus' feet, but she hears his word. In doing this, she does what the Lord desires. She does what the voice from the cloud asks when Jesus was transfigured before the disciples. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And she does what Jesus himself desires when he says that his mother and his brethren, his true family, are those who hear the word of God and do it. And again, when he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Mary is receptive to his word, and she has set her heart on obeying him. She will take his yoke upon her and learn from him and find rest for her soul. If Martha is characterized by restlessness and motion, Mary is characterized by stability and rest, by single-minded attentiveness and humble receptivity to the word of the Lord. But nevertheless, don't our sympathies tend to lie with Martha? After all, she is, despite her resentment of her sister, the one who is the responsible one. She is the one doing her duty, doing what is expected of her. Why does Jesus not take her side? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled with many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see, what Martha lacks is simplicity. She has allowed herself to be pulled in all directions. 
her distraction, her annoyance, perhaps her resentments, have obscured her vision. She cannot see past herself. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And what is that one thing? It is to sit at the feet of the Lord and to hear and obey his word, to find the Lord Jesus himself to be the one thing needful, the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in the field, to which nothing else can compare. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, Jesus says. Doesn't Jesus address us in these words? If Martha was cumbered about, distracted by many things, how much more are we prone to distraction? We who live in what the essayist Alan Jacobs has called an age of distraction. We have in our pockets tools that are nearly perfectly designed to capture our attention to scatter it in a thousand different directions. So how are we, who live in this age of distraction, to give our attention to the Lord? Two suggestions. First, we ought to, very simply, ask for God's help. Distraction stems from a lack of single-mindedness, from a lack of simplicity. But we can't make ourselves simple. John Chapman says, we can not try to be simple. God does that for us. So we need to ask for his help. It's the kind of thing God is happy to help us with. There's a line from a poem by the Bengali poet Rabindranath Tagore that we might turn into a prayer. Only let me make my life simple and straight, like a flute of reed, for thee to fill with music. Only let me make my life simple and straight. Second idea. The late great Dominican theologian Herbert McCabe suggested that in prayer, distraction often comes from our not asking God for what we actually want. If you only ask God for what you think you ought to want, only pray for high-minded things when you do not actually want those things, then it should not surprise you, he says, if you are easily distracted by thoughts of what you do actually want. So McCabe says, we ought to ask God for what we actually want, even if it seems frivolous, like praying to pass an exam or asking for help in making our mortgage payments, maybe even asking for help with our golf game. As McCabe puts it, when we ask God for what we actually want, the odds are that we will become less distracted in our prayer. People on a sinking ship, he says, do not complain of distractions in their prayer. After all, prayer is much more than just asking God for things. It's about coming close to the Lord, about being drawn to him, growing in intimacy in him, and through that closeness, being changed, being made more like him. 
come before the Lord in prayer as we actually are and bring our actual desires to him, he can take those desires and lead them into something deeper. We might learn by his grace that behind all our desires is the desire nothing for nothing other than God himself. We've got to start from where we actually are. Now if what Herbert McCabe says is true, then perhaps counterintuitively, Martha's exacerbated plea to Jesus turns out to be a model for how to pray in a state of distraction. Perhaps Mary shows us the perfection, the end, and Martha shows us where to start. After all, think about what she does. She doesn't stay in the kitchen. She comes out and approaches the Lord, comes to him as she actually is, speaking to him simply and honestly of her distraction and resentment. She does not try to be what she is not. And notice how gently our Lord answers her and receives her. Martha, Martha, he tenderly says. And his response to her is a gift. He shows her the truth about herself. His words show her distraction and resentments for what they are. And in this, his answer contains the antidote to her distraction, perhaps also the seed for reconciliation between her and the sister she has complained so vehemently against. Jesus implicitly invites Martha to lay aside her teeming thoughts and worries and to find rest for her soul in him. And I don't think that Martha's exchange with the Lord left her unchanged. Rather, I like to think she came away that little bit less cumbered about, less worried, less troubled by many things, and that bit more closer to finding the Lord himself to be the one thing needful. She came away from her encounter with Jesus knowing a bit more of what the psalmist expressed when he said, When many cares fill my mind, your consolations cheer my soul. And if it was so with Martha, might it not also be so with us? God grant that it might be so with us. In the midst of our many distractions and troubles, we might, by his grace, be led to attend to him as the one thing needful, to choose the good part, which shall not be taken away. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.